Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. We were in a series the entire month of September entitled Heart Murmurs. And uh, after some prayer, we really felt like this uh, series was supposed to extend through the month of October. And so we're still in the series uh, with a slight variation. Uh, I I think in the uh, four weeks that we talked about heart murmurs in September, we really dug into our hearts, your heart, my heart. Uh, But I believe that in the month of October, we need to know what murmurs in the heart of God. At the lowest tone of speech. What murmurs in God's heart? And so uh, if you have Ephesians chapter number two, uh, I'm going to read a few verses there, and then we're going to pray and see what the Lord would say. Uh, But if you're taking notes for all of my nerds, uh, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is God's Heart Murmurs for People. God's Heart Murmurs for people. And I'm going to need you to pray for me because I have a bunch of stuff in my head that I want to say, but I can't be here for two hours saying it. So uh, uh, I, I want to give you some historical context to, so you can understand uh, why Ephesians chapter number two reads like it does, okay? So Ephesians chapter number two, verses 14 through 18, here's what it says. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Everybody say us. Us. Louder, us. Us. One more time, us. us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us, everybody say us, Us. all of us can come together, can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. God, give us your heart for people. Amen. It's interesting when you read the book of Ephesians, especially uh, chapter number two in this context these verses because uh, if you have and been conditioned like I have been uh, uh, by our westernized culture, by American culture, uh, this sounds like something that is made up. That Christ Jesus went to the cross and reconciled two groups of people. We have not been conditioned in our culture to think of only two groups. 
We've been conditioned, as it relates to people, to think of many different groups. You can't fill out an application or uh, enter a drawing or uh, uh, take a test without there being a long list of categories by which to identify yourself by. Are you American or are you uh, Hispanic American? Are you non-Hispanic? Are you African American? Are you uh, a third Italian? Oh, take your 23andMe test. Take your AncestryDNA.com. Find out what you're comprised of so you can learn more about who you are. And, and, and what is interesting is our culture has divided us in this country based on ethnicity and hue. But when you read scripture, Paul is recapping what Jesus did on the cross, and he does not say that Jesus went to the cross and died for white people, black people, red people, yellow people, brown people. It says he went to the cross and reconciled two groups of people. You mean to tell me out of all the nationalities that are on the earth, you only reconciled two groups of people? Well, I want to give you, in a very, very quick form, a recap of Genesis chapters 1 through 12. Pray for me. I'm trying to get through 12 chapters in about 15 minutes. Genesis chapter, nine, chapter 1, God creates the heaven and the earth. At the end of uh, Genesis chapter number one, he speaks man into existence and tells him to have dominion over the earth. In Genesis chapter number two, he pulls dirt from the ground, blows into it. Man becomes a living soul. He puts man to sleep, pulls out a womb man. These are the first two people on earth. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, and I want you to fill the earth, populate the entire earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. Genesis chapter number three, they messed that up. They royally messed that up. They get kicked out of the garden. They have some kids. The first two kids they have are Cain and Abel. Over uh, an offering, Cain kills Abel. Cain's on the run. Cain goes to um, a, a, a place called Nod, and I don't know how this happens, but he got a wife and has some kids. Okay, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible I, I cannot explain. I'll get to heaven, and then I'll figure it out, okay? Don't ask me after service, well, then how did, where did his wife come? I don't know. So I'm telling you now, if you line up, there's an IDK coming your direction, okay? I don't know. I'm telling you that now. But, but Scripture says he had a wife, he had some kids, and there's a whole generation that happens from there, okay? Uh, Adam and Eve have another child named Seth. Seth has some children, and then you start to see all this lineage go down all the way to Noah. By the time you get to Noah's day, uh, God looks at everything he created and says it's good, and then the man, he goes, no, that's not so good. These people are crazy. Now, I want you to understand, reading scripture, that we're not talking about nationalities or ethnicities. We're just talking about a family tree a very extensive family tree. Noah builds a boat. His wife, his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth get into that boat. Now I'm in Genesis chapter number seven. 
A flood comes, wipes out all the animals except the ones that were on the boat and all of humanity except for those that were on the boat. By the end of chapter number eight, God is establishing a new covenant and says, hey, I'm never going to bring a flood again. I'm never going to wash out the world again, but here's the covenant I want to reestablish with you. I gave it to Adam, but there's a hard reset that I'm doing with you, Noah, and your sons. So I'm going to say it to you like I said it to Adam and Eve. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Populate the entire earth. Scatter abroad, and I'm giving you a covenant that I'll never do this again. So they start to do that. One day, maybe after the rigors and the trials of being on a boat, almost drowning, having his family protected, all his neighbors drowning, being cooped up with a bunch of animals, being pooped up with a bunch of animals, <laughs> that when he gets off, he's like, I'm going to have a drink. Noah has a drink. He gets drunk. And uh, his son walks in on him and sees his nakedness. Instead of covering his father up, he runs outside to go tell his brothers. And when his brothers find out, they go, man, we're not going to look at our father in that way. And they come in, they grab a blanket, and they walk backwards to cover the nakedness of their father. Noah pronounces a curse on his grandson, Canaan. And he says, you're going to be a servant to both Shem and Japheth. Now, here's what's amazing, that there are some people that have actually taken this scripture to believe that there are, 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 there's a whole people group that have been cursed because of Noah's words. Let me ask you a question. Is there any curse that a man can give that God's covenant cannot replace? Furthermore, some people actually think, and this is laughable from heaven's standpoint, that Noah had like a white guy, a black guy, and an Asian guy standing in front of him. These were just his sons. What we find out in Scripture is that uh, uh, Japheth winds up going to Mesopotamia in northern Africa. This is found in Genesis chapter number 5. And here's what it says. Their descendants, all of the people that come from Japheth's line, their descendants became the seafaring peoples that spread out to various lands, each identified by its own language. We'll deal with that in a moment. Clan and that national identity. Ham... And his descendants go to Africa and southern Arabia. Genesis 20 and 10 and 20 says, these were the descendants of Ham identified by their clan, language, we'll get to that in a minute, territory and national identity. And then Shem goes to Asia Minor and Europe. These were the descendants of Shem identified by clan, language, territory, and national identity. Here's how it's summed up in Genesis chapter number 10, verse 32. These are the clans that descended from Noah's sons, arranged by nation, according to their lines of descent, all the nations, get this, all the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the great flood. I'm going to say that again. This came from your Bible. All the nations of the earth came from these three sons. I'm going to say something that might be disturbing if you're sitting next to your spouse. (laughs) 
Some of y'all don't even want me to say it. You're like, I do not want that in my head. Please don't say it. I'm going to say it. Y'all are cousins. Y'all are cousins. I'm going to say something that's going to be a little bit more disturbing for everybody in this room. Everybody you're sitting next to is your cousin. Everybody in this room is a family member. Y'all are all related. <laughs> all of y'all. And there's nothing you can do about it. When God looks down from heaven, he doesn't see what we see. All he sees is the kids that he created. And the ravages of sin that came into their lives. Here is kind of a context given in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. You want to know why? Because they were all from the same family. Okay? As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Let me stop right there. Uh, this is why uh, you're going to see God come down uh, from above and do something that was unprecedented at the time. Because what was the command? Be fruitful, multiply, populate the earth. Here's what they said. We don't want to do that. Let's just all gather right here, be one people, and never go anywhere else. And we can be the epicenter of pride and build something so tall and so high that everybody will look at us and say, these people must be special. So here's what happens. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do would be impossible for them. Just so you get clarity, God's not intimidated of what's going on. He just knows this is going to be the most self-destructive thing of all time. And if he doesn't come down and intervene, uh, he has to do something else. And he's like, I can't drown him. I already did that. And I put a covenant in the sky every time it rained. There's a rainbow now that's saying, reminding me and them, I can't do that anymore, okay? Uh, so so uh, he, he says, let's go down. Come, verse 7. Let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. This is all the same family. Now he comes and gives them different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world. And they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So I just want you to imagine if I took this section of family members and this section of family members and this section of family members and this section of family members, and I said, um, and we all speak in the same language, we all understand each other, but then I go, you know what, uh, you can only speak German now, and uh, you all can only speak 
uh, uh, Mandarin Chinese now, and you all can only speak Spanish now, and you all can only speak English now, uh, then it doesn't matter how much you uh, connect it with another family member based on language, if you can't understand each other, how can two walk together if, if they can't agree? So they all start going together based on their language, and they scatter abroad. He says, uh, they tried to build something up to me, and that's not the way that I want to do covenant with man. It's not about them trying to build something up to me. It's about me coming down to them. So you see in the very next chapter, Genesis chapter number 12, God does something incredible. He takes a man from one of these people groups in this family tree and pulls him to the side. And here's what he says. I want you to leave your country, your relatives. Who are Abram's relatives? Everybody. The ones he can't understand and the ones he cannot understand. He says, I want you to leave your country and all of your relatives and follow me. And I'm going to turn you into another people group. Not based on language, not based on national identity, not based on clan, not based on last name, not based on socioeconomic power, not based on what neighborhood you live in. I'm going to build a relationship and a people group out of someone that has a relationship with me. What's going to make you different from everybody else in your family, Abram, is that you are going to have a personal relationship with me. And Abram starts out on this journey as Abram, a high father, who because of God's grace turns him to Abraham, the father of many nations. And all the people that come from Abraham's line are di distinguished by the fact that they have a relationship with God. Now, I want you to travel all the way through the whole Old Testament with every war that's fought, with every nation that rises. It's the same kinfolk fighting that fought in Genesis 4. It's just Cain and Abel magnified. Take it all the way up to the New Testament with Jews being oppressed by the Roman Empire, people from all over the world, slaves to the Roman Empire, and all we have is Cain and Abel magnified. See, here's what happened in Genesis chapter number 12. He went into covenant with a man, made him a nation, and basically here's all God has seen since Genesis chapter number 12. There are those that I'm in covenant with and everybody else. There are Jews, those that I've got. I'm not talking about like a political Israel. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about a covenant Israel. There are the people that I went into covenant with and everybody else. Everybody else is under one people group, Gentiles. No, I'm not. Black power. No, I'm not. White power. No, I'm not. Brown power. No, I'm not. I'm a third German, and you better not take that away from me. 
You better not take away my Puerto Rican heritage away from me. Nobody's taking anything away from you. I'm happy for wherever you're born and wherever you identify. But I want you to know from heaven looking down on earth, all he sees is covenant and everybody else. Now, I want you to think of how masterful Satan has been, especially in this country, for the last two to 300, 400 years. I don't want you to be reminded of a covenant. I don't want you to be reminded of connecting with God and finding your identity in, in Christ. And so I want you to find your identity in your skin. I want you to find identity in your family name. I want you to be, find your identity by your eye color, by how tall you are, how short you are, how, how, how far back you can trace your, 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 your descendants to a particular place. I want you to be preoccupied with that because if you can get preoccupied with that, you will not be preoccupied with this. And he's done a masterful job, y'all, to the point that even now in 2017, sometimes our churches are the most segregated places on Sunday morning. When all God sees is those he's in, he has covenant with and everybody else. So when the book of Ephesians says that Christ went to the cross for two groups of people, he's tying in all of human history. Because all he's seen since Genesis chapter number 12 is those he has covenant with and everybody else. And here's what Christ said. Uh, I want to fix it. I want to fix all of that. I, I want to take those that were very, very near, the Jews, and I want to take the Gentiles that were very, very far, and I want to bring them both together. Maybe that's why he had to be crucified. Maybe that's why his arms had to be stretched out this wide. To gather those that were close and those that were far and bring them together in one body so that we wouldn't have to be identified with anything other than who died for us. Now listen, when you teach this way, you're coming against a demonic spirit. You're coming against a spirit of division. You got to understand something about racism. Racism is a subcategory of one main spirit, which is division. And I am tired of being a believer who has to fight with people over a shade of their skin that has nothing to do with their identity in Christ. I am tired of walking into churches and taking a head count. One, two, three, four, five. Ain't enough of me in here. I got to leave. Ain't enough of who in here? It's all believers in here. And I'm a believer, which means there's enough of me in this room Well, you know, you know, when y'all you, when get a little bit more of, you know, my color, you know, then I'll, I'll probably be all in. 
why don't you just be all in until we all see what this is supposed to look like? Because God's heart is for people. I want you to understand this. He only sees two groups of people. So when we say God's heart is for people, we don't have to parenthetically say black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people. He's for all people. When you say people to God, he gets the point. Because he made them. So he kind of knows. Three points. Write these down. God loves all people. (laughs) He loves all people. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, parenthetically, he doesn't have to qualify which ones. He made them all. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's really that simple. He sent his son to die for the world, the people in the world that he created in the first place. Because he loves them. Point number two. Jesus died for all people. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. And again, if you need another way to see that, he united those he had covenant with and everybody else. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Do you know we're all one people now? We, we, we are, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are categorically different than any other people group on the face of of the earth. Here's why it's so easy for me to travel around the the entire world and preach the gospel. Because no matter where God takes me, wherever they stamp the passport, all I need to do is find a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm going to have a place to sleep. I don't even need a hotel. It's the greatest fraternity and sorority in the world is to have brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And I can travel, literally, I've traveled, God has allowed me to travel in many places in the world, and as soon as I land, there's somebody with a sign that says Tim Ross with a big smile on their face. They've never even seen me before, but they're there to pick me up, and I give them a big old hug, and they're like, we're so glad you're here. It's a family reunion. Nobody has to say, hey, mate, so uh, first time in Australia. Let me tell you how we do it down under. Gonna have to put some shrimp on the Barbie, which is the most stereotypical thing you could ever say to an Australian, so don't say it. Oh, I have a brother and sister in Christ. They, have, they might have an accent, and they might do some things, some things culturally, but there's nothing about their culture or mine that trumps kingdom's culture. If you've ever thought to yourself, since you've been here, why we don't have Black History Month or Cinco de Mayo Day or any other nationality day, is because you're in an embassy. 
So, in an embassy, we only do what we do in the home country. And the home country of heaven doesn't have a Black History Month. Doesn't have a Cinco de Mayo Day. Doesn't have an Irish, I always want to say Irish Spring, and that's just wrong. That's a soap, that's a soap, that's a soap. It's not Irish, uh, what is it? St. Patrick's Day, that's it, thank you. Man, advertising is amazing. My whole brain's been reprogrammed to only think soap when I think of Ireland. That is wrong. But if I could be programmed that easily to some soap, how easily can we be programmed to hate? Here's one of the things I love about Embassy City Church. That everybody's in the pool. And more people are getting in. I come in here, I just see brothers and sisters. I'm not going to say I'm colorblind. I'm not colorblind. I see all the various ethnicities that are represented in this room, and it makes me happy, and I want to do backflips. It makes me so happy that we can check all of that at the door and just come in here and be believers in Jesus. Because Christ went to the cross for us without any parenthetical qualifications needed. He just went to the cross and died for people. He wasn't like, well, what type of person? Because, you know, they're kind of suspect. You know, I, I just went back through the family tree and, okay, I'm dying for everybody. But didn't Noah curse Ham and Canaan? So that stands. My blood can't do anything with Noah's curse. Are you? Really? He died for everybody. Point number one, God's love. God loves all people. Point number two, Jesus died for all people. Point number three, the church is for all people. It would be a tragedy. to only go out and evangelize people of the same ethnic group as you. First of all, you're disobeying scripture. Second of all, you've allowed the enemy to sow division in your heart so deep that you're running on autopilot. I'm telling you, this message is meant to shake you out of that. That we're after people. That Matthew 28 says to go make disciples of all nations. That's what we're here to do. As ambassadors of Jesus Christ, what we're here to do is go make disciples of all nations. I love this church. It's my favorite church on earth. I'm biased. I know it. But I love this church. And I tell everybody about this church. I tell Muslims about this church. I tell Hindus about this church. I tell atheists about this church. I tell atheists to come to church. Hey, man, come to church. The music would be great. You probably won't believe anything I say, but at least you'll be around some people that want to hug you. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe you'll give your life to Jesus. I talk to agnostics. I invite them to church. 
Well, I really don't, I know there's like a higher power, but I don't believe Jesus is on the way. Not a problem, bro. Just show up to church, get a hug. You're being around some really cool people, some people that used to be just like you, and they changed their mind. Maybe God will change yours. Just give it a shot. White people, black people, Hispanic, I don't care. I will use Google Translate if there is a barrier. 2017 has given me the technology afforded to me to type in a paragraph and go, mm. <laughs> Embassy City Church, come, okay? I'll find someone to translate for you. I want to make disciples of all nations. You should too. You want to see more people represented in this church? Invite more people. I remember one time uh, there was a, a, a young adult organization that wanted to diversify uh, their conferences. They, they, they had considered to themselves uh, that, that this is too, uh, there's too many Caucasians here and uh, we, we want to have more diversity. But all of their attempts into the inner city to uh, diversify their conference uh, failed. So I have a talk with the guy and the guy was like, hey, uh, we want to do something about diversity. And so we're coming to you and uh, can you help us? I was like, absolutely. And uh, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent for uh, being the change that you want to see. Not the, well, when you get to figure it out, call me back. So what I did was uh, uh, I registered, uh, at the time I was a young adult pastor, I registered all 200 people uh, for the conference that went to our young adult ministry. I shut down our Friday night service and told, us, told everybody to meet there. Well, here was the thing that was crazy. Uh, uh, the young adult ministry that I, that I uh, pastored uh, was predominantly African-American. This was predominantly Caucasian, and it was on uh, the north side of town off of 635. And uh, uh, I registered 200 people, communicated it weeks in advance, and leading up to it, uh, told them, we're all going all gonna to be there, show us solidarity, we're going to help uh, bring diversity to this thing because we just want to be with our brothers in Christ. Only 60 people showed up. Only 60 people showed up. And here's why only 60 people showed up. I was really mad, and I was about to strike the rock like Moses and not enter. I really was. I was about to not enter the promised land over this, okay? And um, uh, I asked the Lord, why did only 60 people show up? Um, I, I paid for this. I'm out of all this money. They didn't even come, and they didn't appreciate this, and blah, blah, blah. And I want to see change, and I want to see diversity. And the Holy Spirit reminded me. He said, Tim, buddy, um, uh, uh, about 50, 60 years ago, there was some segregation in D DFW. And uh, the grandparents told the parents that told them. So even though the segregation is gone, the memory of it is still there. And that's why they haven't crossed that line to come out of South Dallas to the north side. I was like, oh. So we did it again next year. And then when we did it the second year, everybody showed up. And here's what was funny. They all got in the same room and went, oh. Hey, Tim, that speaker was really good. I mean, he didn't preach loud and stuff. <laughs> and there was no organ playing. But man, he really had something good to say. I was like, isn't it possible that maybe, maybe our experience isn't the only experience to be had? And if we get in a room with other people, we can find out how refreshing it is to see how they worship and how they do things. Well, by the third year, it was just all this big melting pot and all these people were in the room and it, it got really, really beautiful. But somebody had to be brave enough to walk across the street 
and say, hey, we don't fully understand you, you don't fully understand us, but let's hang out until we do. That takes bravery. And I want you to understand, if you're a resident of Embassy City Church, you are one of the bravest people in this city. Because most people just want to default to what they are accustomed to and what they're familiar to. And if that doesn't happen, they leave. They get, oh, I'm I'm freaked out. I got to leave. But when you're brave enough to push past that, you start to form a bond with people that allows us to reach more people than we ever thought. Here's what it says about the church. I want you to see this because this is brilliant. Ephesians 10, 11, I'm, Ephesians 3, verses 10 and 11. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm going to read that again. What was God's purpose in all of this? It was to use who? The louder. The louder. The louder. The louder. The louder. The That's how loud we need to be. That's how we need to scream this to the world. This is what it looks like. Because God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the, here's the thing, it's not even to other people. To all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Here is what a diverse church says to hell. That we did not take your lie of division, we are taking God's truth of unity, that we are all one family united in Christ Jesus. That's what the church represents, not just to the world that can be seen, to the demonic forces that cannot be seen. We are telling hell, no. We will not take division and swallow that poison and call it Jesus. We've accepted his truth that unity is what he called us to. And that didn't happen because of a kumbaya. That happened because of a king who went to the cross and died for our sins. God's heart is for people. And ours should be too. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.